0: There's another squad attacking. Welcome to the Third Party Podcast, your weekly Apex Legends podcast. I'm your host, Shay, joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how is it going today? It's going fantastic.
1: I'm really excited about this episode. Um, Last episode was super fun. We're going to have
0: more of the same this week. We got an awesome episode for you guys, no doubt about it. Make sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to us on YouTube, Third Party Podcast. We've been streaming weekly on there, and it has been an amazing time, uh, so please go support over there. It would mean the world to us. We got a good one, though. Today we're going through some reviews, news, legend lore, recapping the quest, and wrapping up with some listener questions. If you want to support, please consider joining us on Patreon and get access to two extra podcasts every month, amongst tons of other benefits. Link is going to be in the description below for everything mentioned above. But before we do anything, let's dive into some reviews. First review is coming from James C. I'll keep this short. If you like Apex Legends, then you should give this pod a listen. Appreciate it, James.
1: That's what we like to hear. Next one's coming from HGH. D-I-W, best podcast ever. I love the way you guys have funny and chill conversations. You guys are clean and super fun to listen to. Before listening to your podcast, I couldn't get out of Bronze One, and now I'm making my way up to gold. I play on Xbox and main crypto. My username is keepitpg777. I hope we can meet sometime in-game. Keep up the good work. P.S. Please do a gun ranking and landing spot map rotation. Tips for World's Edge. Thanks so much uh, for the review, mm-hmm. and Shay, tell them what we're doing next. Yeah,
0: our Patreon episode, the next one coming out, will be a map rotation episode for World's Edge. Uh, last one for King's Canyon was received super well, and we're really excited to work on and do this one. Henry draws up some amazing diagrams, really. Uh, we got all the survey beacon location on there. Um, and all the plays, rotations, alternate rotations, it is a huge episode and one of the biggest benefits to our patrons, no doubt about it. That's what I believe. Next review coming from Zan Rock. Impressed. There are many Apex Legends podcasts, but these guys are the best hands down. Shay and Henry create conversations that actually improve my gameplay and strategy. I was impressed by their interviewing chops when they had on Sore Kobe. Please keep this content going, my dudes. Thank you, Zan.
1: Thanks so much. We're going to be having a couple more interviews in the near future, mm-hmm. and that's a really fun way to just kind of be a part of the community, hear yep. different perspectives, not yep. just always Henry and Shay, Henry and Shay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, next review is coming from This is a really cool podcast, and I always look forward to Wednesdays. I thought of a cool idea you guys could do on the show. Over the week, you could save up your Apex packs and then open them live on the show and rate the items you get. Uh, I think this would be
0: really fun. That's a good idea. I like it. We don't get a lot of Apex packs anymore just because I'm at level 499 right now. So Yeah, I mean, if we
1: started a new account, this would be something we could do kind mm-hmm. of live. Um, I, you know, we open packs all the time on the stream, yep. which is pretty cool, and we're able to kind of go through those, and mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Hard to kind of rate visual things on a podcast, uh, but I would say, like, the stream is a great way to see our thoughts on yeah. Uh, Different items.
0: Awesome! Thanks for the reviews, guys. Make sure to leave your review five stars. You get it right off on the show. Let's dive into the news now. First big piece of news today: the summer of plunder sale. Multiple bundles uh, have come to the store, including the long-awaited return of the Voidwalker Wraith skin. Now that bundles cost you know, 2,500 Apex coins. It includes the Voidwalker skin, a banner, and a weapon charm. I believe. Uh, this event runs from July 21st to 28th. Check it out. There's a ton of great deals on amazing skins and a lot of really good deals on Apex packs. No doubt about it. What did you enjoy the Summer of Plunder Sale event? Yeah, I think the the R301 skin and the kind of super duper huge
1: pack Mm -hmm. um, is pretty crazy. Um, If you're, you know, wanting to support Apex and want it to keep going, this is a great way to give some money to uh, respawn to make it happen.
0: Yep. Next other awesome piece of news we have is The Dark Horse announces a book called Apex Legends Pathfinder's Quest. This is going to be a full-color, uh, oversized lore book featuring over 190 pages of Apex Legends lore. You get to join Pathfinder on his quest to interview all of the legends in hope of finding his creator.
1: It's insane, Shay. Oh it my It really goodness. is It's insane. We're excited. We'll definitely be picking up a copy uh, of this book. Uh, maybe a couple copies. I don't know. Giveaway. Give potential. Yep. Um, this is cool. You know, this is unprecedented stuff. This game's so cool. It's why we're all here. Um, and we love Path. So it's going to be awesome. It's going
0: to be awesome. And we're going to be able to share so much more information with you guys uh, from reading this. Now in days, though, we are going to be diving into the quest. So, now that everyone has had time to really take part, hopefully complete the quest, we really want to dive deep into it. Uh, we're going to be recapping the quest missions for anyone that did not have the opportunity to play it all the way through, and really going through and identifying Henry and I's uh, favorite moments from playing the quest. And, you know, it's going to be a really cool one. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy it, uh, whether you played the quest or not, because, uh, you know, we went back and you know reviewed all, every little quest lore and chat in preparation for this. And there were so many things that uh, we found that we did not remember uh, from the weeks of playing through, because it's been a long time since, like, you know, Quest 1. So, for sure. Let's get it started. As we covered in our last episode, Loba enters the games by infiltrating King's Canyon in order to destroy Revenant's source code. She then inadvertently triggers an explosion, which takes down Thunderdome and Town. Starting with the prologue, the duplicitous snake... This sets up Loba's recruitment of the other legends in order to raid the Shadowfall dimension for pieces of the treasure. She mentions that Revenant cannot know about this plan, but the narrator of the prologue anonymously writes to him anyways. Dun dun dun.
1: Super cool way to start off with that little bit of text. Then we come into chapter one, the first piece, kind of the first mission, and then the recap of that. And the story starts with Mirage's narration, and he says, So we had this meeting in the Labra, Lavra, the place where you go to the bathroom. (laughs) Uh, That's because at the Paradise Lounge, we don't do private rooms. Here, we believe in being social, connecting with people, coming together as humans. So they have a secret meeting in the bathroom. (laughs) Bangalore's hate for Loba is established, and we find out that Loba knows a lot about the other legends and their dark secrets. She even knows about Mirage's mom, which is uh, quite interesting. For sure. Uh, It also establishes that Octane is going on a date with Yoko from Hammond Robotics in order to find out more about Loba's connection with the executives at Hammond, and Lifeline is a tad jealous of this date that Octane's going on. We also find out uh, some fun facts that Mirage actually owns the the Paradise Lounge,
0: and Wraith drinks apple teenies. A lot of cool stuff coming in Chapter 1, no doubt about it. We then dive into Chapter 2, The Detached Chaperone. Uh, So this mission is actually an important one that we wanted to touch on real quick, and it drops the players into the top of Cage to snipe the Prowlers. Um, After each player kills four, they proceed into the tunnel in the Hydro Dam, where they find a downed Watson who has died and leaves a death box with supplies. Uh, Then going into the story that comes after the actual mission, uh, this chapter is about Wraith trying to run surveillance on Octane's date with Yoko, a Hammond Robotics associate, and an assistant of Cheryl Amachi, the head of legal department of Hammond. The date ends abruptly when Wraith drags Octane out via portal because Mirage lets her know that quote-unquote Watson is down. After returning to Paradise Lounge, Pathfinder informs the group on how Watson was injured by Prowlers. Caustic seems to show emotions for Watson by not leaving her side and snapping at Loba, even holding her by the throat against the wall when Loba says she will make a full recovery and the need to focus on the artifact. The quest ends with Wraith questioning Loba on what source code is, and Rev making his first appearance. Pretty crazy.
1: You know, in that chapter, we got a lot of more lore about the relationships mm-hmm. going on between these, and that Caustic bit uh, is quite important there. It was surprising
0: as well, for sure.
1: Yeah, because Caustic's kind of a hater.
0: Definitely. Distant, Not the most positive person out there.
1: Him coming uh, to support Watson was kind of a shocker. Next up, chapter three, The Liberated Narc. And the story behind it was uh, kind of opens up uh, where the last story ended with Revenant appearing pretty much out of nowhere. Uh, Rev reveals that there is a mole in the group and someone told him about their meetings. Rev and Loba proceed to bicker, with Rev saying that if he wanted Loba dead, she already would be some pretty aggressive stuff (laughs) uh bang Gibby, and bloodhound then show up through a wraith portal with guns drawn on rev which leads revenant to use the totem to disappear bangler yells live totem nobody touch it uh and to octane's disappointment uh he really wanted to get in on the action and chase the (laughs) chase the revenant uh after everybody settles down octane decides to go through the portal uh into the shadow dimension to kick some butt and get every last piece of the artifact by himself. Um, but before he leaves, he does tell Watson his plan, um, but she can't exactly respond because of her injuries.
0: That was one of my favorite mm-hmm. moments. It was funny. Octane literally talking to Watson, who is just like, you get the dot, dot, dots and the text bubbles in return because
1: yeah. she's done. Is this a good idea, Wattie? Yeah. Should I do this?
0: <laughs> Next, we dive into chapter four, the impromptu kidnapper. So for the story, Lifeline shows up to Bangalore's place in the middle of the night with a note left behind by Silva, mentioning that he went to fulfill his destiny to defy death. It also has some private information just for Lifeline that she doesn't want others to read. Lifeline then talks to Wraith and goes to find Yoko and bring her to Bangalore to reveal information in exchange for Bangalore's autograph, which is very, very rare. With guilt rushing over her, Lifeline reveals the private information on the back of the note and that it was her fault Octane went into the shadow dimension. After finding out the information from Yoko about Loba's plan, Bangalore gathers all the legends to reveal it to everyone.
1: Our next chapter: The Lying Liar, Chapter Five. This one starts out with narration from Loba, saying that everything is going to plan and that she's going to be saying goodbye to the Apex Games in a day or two. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bangalore reveals that Lobo is working for Hammond to the whole group and that they are assembling this artifact in exchange for the source code location. Uh, Bangalore mentions that even though she was uh, IMC, she does not want to work for this Hammond uh, and that they are not IMC, which should really scare everybody. Mm -hmm. The fact that these uh, organizations have morphed into one, and the Bangalore was you know, fighting for the IMC, which in this universe is kind of seen as the corporate bad guys, yeah. but not as bad as Hammond. It's quite interesting. Um, there's a fun little sequence of lines uh, in this story where Pathfinder says, uh, Why lie to your friends, Loba? Well, why <laughs> not tell us the truth? Loba responds, You could never understand. You're an appliance. Damn. But then Mirage claps back and says, Hey. Leave that appliance alone. At least he's honest. You could have trusted us. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, hate between Mirage uh, and Pathfinder, but here in the story we see a little bit of love. Uh, then Caustic tells everybody what a source code is and that he worked for Vincent Dynamics. Um, the source uh, is of a unit's internal logic, so the emotions, the memories, the personality, uh, the original human brain tissue uh, built into a cranial frame. And this is of a simulacrum. But Revenant, uh, it would appear that his original tissue, his human brain, his source code, is external to the unit. Very fascinating to Caustic. Uh, Lifeline and Gibby then come out of a race portal with another artifact piece uh, and with most of Octane, no legs. Uh, Loba then tells Bangalore that the mole will tell Rev about this and that she will be ripped limb from
0: this was a big chapter. It was one of Lots. the longest ones. And that Mirage, you know, dialogue just had me going good. Next, we dive into Chapter 6, The Oblivious Mole. So looking at the story, it starts with a Crypto narration, uh, with him admitting that Watson is much smarter than he is. Uh, the legends then finish up repairing Octane's legs. And then Crypto's drone essentially attacks Watson uh, with Revenant's voice coming out through the speaker's. This leads to all the other legends questioning Crypto about his drone. Uh, You know, why would you name a drone hack that is now being hacked? And leads to him being accused of being the mole. It's a pretty interesting. This is a short chapter. It was a short Um, chapter, but big information, no doubt.
1: Yeah, I think Shane and I really liked the writing behind this because we both really like uh, Crypto as a character. Mm -hmm. Very stoic, like not very much is known about him, doesn't talk very much Until the idea of him being the mole. It's kind of easy for the whole group to collapse on them and uh, to be a little bit uh, cautious. Mm-hmm. But the next chapter, Return to Skulltown, obviously going to be a fan favor- favorite. You got to you know go back to Skulltown intact. Mm-hmm. Very fun end game. Uh, but back to the story in Crypto, um, everybody is accusing Crypto of being the mole uh, for Revenant, feeding them information about what they're up to. Um, it's also revealed that Crypto is a year older than Mirage, and Mirage immediately accuses Crypto of being the mole solely based off that. This is hilarious because there's lots of voice lines in-game where Crypto calls Mirage old man, uh, but in fact it's uh, they're the same age essentially, but Crypto is one year older. Caustic then accuses Crypto of working with Rev because they both have it out for the syndicate something that Shay and I have definitely pointed out, this syndicate as a common enemy for a few of the legends. Mm -hmm. Crypto in particular is something that we don't think is going away uh, and is kind of a cool call-out from Caustic in particular here. Um, Crypto then accuses Caustic of being the mole, saying that uh, he's being set up. And Lova and Bangalore then argue about Lova uh, leaving Bangalore, saying that she never wanted Lova dead kind of some drama in there, their relationship kind of uh, changing and forming. Crypto then becomes disheartened that Watson feels betrayed and is sad, but then Wraith comes to uh, Watson's aid to make sure Watson has her space, and Crypto can't chase after her and talk to her and try to defend himself even more.
0: That was a good chapter for sure. We're going into chapter 8 though now, The Unwavering Protector. So this is a Good Gibraltar chapter starts with his narration. Long as I can remember, I called everybody who crossed my path brother. To me, we're all part of the brotherhood of humankind. Brother is a family. The chapter then goes into starting with Gibraltar and Caustic having a heart-to-heart, with Caustic admitting that he believes Watson has a mind of pure, natural genius. Anything that distracts from her work does a disservice to us all. Caustic proceeds to admit to Gibraltar that he is the mole, because he did not like that Crypto was getting close with Watson and distracting her, along with Loba digging up everyone's secrets. Gibraltar tries to assemble the scattered team by putting out a message to everyone, assuring himself that they are stronger together. Bangalore admits to Gibraltar that she is going to go help Loba, and that this ends tonight with death to either Loba or the Sim, the Sim being Revenant.
1: Then we have this kind of concluding big story, Chapter 9, The mm-hmm. Enemy of My Enemy. Starts with Bangular narrating uh, from her sniper position, overlooking Loba's ship. And she says, truth is, this time, I was the FNG. It's quite the explicit thing. Mm-hmm. Don't look it up. Not a Google search. Not
0: Urban Dictionary. Definitely do not. not. Do
1: that. This is not military code for anything. Uh, I prioritize myself over the mission. I let my emotions get in the way. I put a target on Loba's back. And this is my way of making it right. Revenant and Loba then confront each other, uh, with Revenant admitting that Loba was the only one ever close to finding his source code. That every second of Revenant's existence is a living hell for him. Rev wants to partner with Loba in order to eliminate his existence and be there when... Uh, She puts a bullet into the source code. The team completes the assembly of the artifact and Hammond requests for it to be delivered to a location in exchange for the source code. Loba is confused about revenge versus what she wants to do and really has no idea what she will do next. Um, Just a little tag onto this and kind of Revenant's perspective. Um, In the last week, I think we spoke a little bit about... uh, what it's like to be revenant you know yeah. to die again and again and again?
0: this was our big prediction, actually, yeah. at the beginning of the season with the introduction of loba. so if you've been a long time listener, we thought that this doesn't make a lot of sense that uh revenant would want to hurt and kill Loba, and so it was cool to see that kind of come together,
1: yeah, you know, and I thought that this was kind of be kind of more of a building thing Mm -hmm. uh, with Revenant not being so much of the villain throughout this quest.
0: Definitely. Uh, But we
1: did get it here in the end. And I think we're definitely going into the next season seeing a common enemy for these two and uh, even more story. Yeah. The epilogue.
0: Then we get into the epilogue dust to dust. So this hunt drops players in slum lakes in the normal King's Canyon. The player must enter the lost tomb located in one of the IMC's bunkers and place the completed artifact, Ash's head, onto her ravaged body. Ash then reactivates and speaks. She repeats Ashes to Ashes several times before ending it with, The path ends here, Welcome to Olympus. Ash also mentions the names Duardo and Darien. After this little epilogue, we get into the story. Uh, it's a chat room talk between Octane and Lifeline. We find out that the games are moving, and Octane is nervous about where they are going mentioning that the head saying Darien or Duardo uh, frightens him and that it knows in all caps because it was a very big scared Octane at that moment. He's also scared about what the numbers the head was rambling off said uh, but Lifeline assures him that it can't be anything for sure it could be nothing just a coincidence and they mentioned that they're going to Olympus and that for Octane and Lifeline uh, that is their home. Recapping this whole quest, you know, Shay and I are really
1: uh, excited about this. Um, from a gameplay perspective, this is very cool, seriously fun. Um, it wasn't too difficult. Mm-hmm. Like, the challenge component, especially if you were playing with friends, uh, was pretty straightforward. Um, but we both just think this is an awesome introduction to a free co-op campaign. Yeah. It's um, It's free. Which could last, you know, 10 years based mm-hmm. on the development strategy uh, going on at Respawn. So this is like just the beginning of a massive glacier of a story um, that we are just really excited about. Um, and then from a story perspective and a lore perspective, um, this is unprecedented work uh, from a battle royale. Like really, this we got a really special story from this, and as huge fans of the Titanfall games... Um, it was so cool to see that universe expand and overlap to the the Apex universe, and then I think something that you know Loba and Revenant was kind of what this quest was about from a tactical standpoint, but from a storytelling standpoint, we really got a first look at Bangalore and really her leadership uh, in the Apex Games and with the rest of the group. And she had a really interesting story of her growth as a person, balancing her duty and friendship. So we kind of saw a lot of hate and animosity at the beginning uh, towards Loba from Bangalore. And at the end, she's, you know, running Overwatch and uh, definitely trying to protect her. It Roma. was
0: so awesome. Like, the amount of lore and just story we got out of this is crazy. And like you were saying, for a free game to have this is absolutely awesome. and. No doubt about it, it is something to keep looking forward to. Um, it's already been confirmed uh, that lore and quests will continue into Season 6. Um, there's a lot of information about Olympus floating around the new map, and we're about to dive deeply into Ash shortly. Um, but I think we, wanna know, we want you guys to know that we're going to be doing an episode uh, on theorizing stuff about the new map, uh, looking at Olympus, all the information we know and everything rumored Um, And so we're not going to really talk about that now. Really, though, uh, Ash is a big deal coming from Titanfall. uh, First, like real character outside of Blisk that we've seen overlap in actual gameplay at this point. Uh, And so we really want to dive in and explain to our listeners that either don't remember, you know, from Titanfall or don't know and want to know all the little details about who Ash is and her lore herself. Yeah, so Ash is a simulacrum
1: pilot, similar to Revenant. Um, She's a supporting antagonist in the single-player campaign of Titanfall 2. Once an elite pilot, she was severely injured, and her mind was transferred to a robotic body. She was subsequently hired by Kuban Blisk and joined the Apex Predator mercenary organization we talked about last episode. As one of Blisk's lieutenants, Ash was given command of an IMC battalion stationed at the IMC Dynamic Testing Facility on Typhoon. After her di- defeat on Typhoon, she was rebuilt by Vincent Dynamics to serve their interest. No longer with the Apex Predators, uh, she served as the Corporation's field commander and the primary liaison for the mercenary pilots in Titanfall 2's multiplayer. She claims to have business with the Remnant fleet, as she believes that they may have insight to her existence and purpose, specifically some of her history. Uh, Defeating Ash in the mission intro, uh, the Abyss unlocks the dust-to-dust achievement, so more overlap between these games. Um, Now, the early life of Ash, not much is known, honestly, about uh, Ash's history prior to her becoming a simulacrum, and really she doesn't know much either about it. However, the Remnant fleet is known to hold some information about that past in their data Banks, and that's kind of why there's a a fight between them in Titanfall. Uh, a little bit more about this Battle of Typhoon, because it's kind of a pivotal uh, point in Ash's story arc. Uh, by the time of the Battle of Typhoon, Ash was a very successful mercenary pilot in the Apex Predators. Uh, she piloted a customized Ronin-class Titan, and ultimately Ash uh, would be killed and by the protagonist of Titanfall 2, leaving Ash in pieces.
0: Yeah, uh, lots of good information there about Ash. I'm going to talk a little bit about her uh, relationship with Vincent Dynamics. So, following her supposed death at the hands of Jack Cooper, who's the main protagonist from Titanfall 2, Ash would be rebuilt by arms manufacturer Vincent Dynamics and contracted to lead their own military force. It is unknown as to whether Ash and Vincent Dynamics were familiar before the events on Typhoon or whether Vincent Dynamics was able to retrieve what remained of her body and brain uh, before the planet's destruction. Likewise, it is unknown as to whether her memory loss stems from conversion to simulacrum form and or regeneration prior to the events of Titanfall 2, or whether the destruction by Vincent Dynamics caused by this amnesia. In any case, Ash continues to believe that the truth of her existence can be found with the remnant fleet and she leads field ops on behalf of Vincent Dynamics in hopes of discovering the truth about her. So Vincent Dynamics could be cool, because perhaps they could slide into the Apex storyline. We know she has the relationship with Ash, and we know that Caustic worked for them as well, and he has a lot of familiarity with simulacrums, you know, defining them in our quest we just covered. So Vincent Dynamics is also a weapon and titan manufacturer, playable in Titanfall 2. They are responsible for the creation of several pieces of equipment employed by mercenary pilots on the frontier. This includes the EM-4 Cold War, T-203 Thermite Launcher, and Monarch-class Titan, alongside several variants of suppressors. They also have the ability to manufacture simulacrums, and were responsible for rebuilding Ash following the Battle of Typhoon. Vincent Dynamics' motivations remain unknown, having conducted operations both in support and actively against the IMC Remnant fleet. Mercenary pilots led by Ash often conducted raids against the Remnant forces uh, for bounties to recover black boxes containing data relevant to Vincent Dynamics' interests, and it also included data about the true identity of Ash.
1: We know so much about Ash, honestly. I mean, there's so much talk now that she's in Mm -hmm. the quest that she's going to have a major point part in the Apex storyline. Some are even saying that she could potentially come into the games. but. Whether or not that's true, I kind of wanted to talk about what we know about her personality and traits. Like, Mm -hmm. how would she fit into this? Um, And essentially, she's very cold and calculating, uh, with a relatively monotone voice. Ash rarely exhibits empathy for her enemies, seeing them merely as playthings to be used in experimentation and testing. Uh, When not on assignment for Blisk, she spent the majority of her time at the IMC Dynamic Testing Facility, creating new combat simulations, often using captured militia soldiers as test subjects. Despite this, she is shown to have at least some sense of honor sticking to her word when promising she would not kill Jack Cooper, the protagonist in Titanfall 2, before his testing. Like all Apex Predators, Ash often laments the lack of motivation in the IMC security forces given to her command. Uh, she often comments on their ineffectiveness, and this would kind of be where Bangalore fits in, mm-hmm. so no hate there. but <laughs> uh, She is shown to have no qualms with killing hundreds of, or thousands of IMC personnel and destroying billions of dollars' worth of assets uh, when scuttling entire bases just to kill one enemy pilot. Kind of an insane logic from a, a commander. Um, as a field commander for Vincent Dynamics, Ash maintains her cold and calculating presence, and she is much more generous and appreciative towards those pilots under her guidance. Noting their performance in the field with her thoughtful commentary, she is uh, quick to remind that she and her pilots work on behalf of Vincent Dynamics, whom she assures are grateful for their effort. She speaks matter-of-factly and moves with mechanical precision. And this is kind of coming from that multiplayer uh, perspective of Ash as a yeah. character there in Titanfall.
0: She is such an awesome character in that universe, and like you were saying, we know so much about her. So it is really cool to see her now be wrapped up in this Apex universe as well. I'm going to talk a little bit about some you know just other fun facts and the design of her character. So Ash's mask is based off porcelain death death masks, taken as cast of the deceased face in some cultures around the world. As artist Joel Amisley. Um, Describes, we were thinking she wears a death mask from her past human self on her current robot body.
1: Spooky. Spooky,
0: spooky. Ash appears to practice martial arts or yoga, even as a simulacrum. One of her multiplayer introductions is giving a Chinese palm to fist salute and bow to pilots on her dropship, while another shows her performing the tree post, rikshasana, or the invisible chair exercise before opening the dropship's hatch. She's such a cool character. Yeah. And I know I butchered that word, really? but it was, it was, it's so cool for sure. We
1: have so much background on Ash really. And if Ash is a character, uh, which Shay and I are not really certain of, um, you know, based on more data mining and kind mm-hmm. of what we have known about the development process at Respawn, even though we're getting an introduction of Ash, we're not sold that she's going to be next. So I, I don't know. We could be very much surprised.
0: And that would be awesome.
1: It would. It would blow my mind, and I would be massively impressed, Um, but have to cover it on the pod. If she is potentially a playable uh, legend in this game, some of her potential uh, abilities could be associated with the Titan that she piloted, which was the Ronin class um, in Titanfall 2. She had a, like, sword, so very cool abilities with that, so good melee potential. She also had a sword blocking where you could deflect bullets with the Titans and rockets and things like that. Could be a very crazy tactical um, in Apex. Uh, also had like an arc wave whip uh, that you could use to stun people and then also the phase dash. And so maybe some sort of sword melee quick uh, abilities could potentially be uh, be in here in Apex.
0: She would be an awesome character and like Respawn, Apex, so amazing. Like, our first appearance of her was in the season four Revenant trailer. So, like, yeah. it's been in the game for a while now, and to see it really come through in this quest, and there's still so much uh, for us to know, and there's so many questions that we have uh, about the quest in general. And so, it's just really, really uh, interesting to see how these storylines will all wrap up and come together, and, you know, if they ever will finish. Like, there's a lot of interesting things going on for sure.
1: Yeah, we have a handful of weeks to go until the next season, and needless to say, we're hyped.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, that's going to be it for really the quest stuff. But as a continuation of our last episode, uh, we're going to dive into the lore of the other legends that we didn't get a chance to cover. Um, So starting with Bloodhound. Uh, Bloodhound, we don't know their real name. Uh, Gender, Bloodhound identifies as non-binary, and we don't know the age of Bloodhound either. The we All we really know is that Bloodhound comes from Talos. As the homeworld, um, definitely check out the Bloodhound short animation skit that they did into the Outlands. It was really good. Uh, but Bloodhound is known across the Outlands as one of the greatest game hunters the Frontier has ever seen. Uh, Bloodhound was the child of two engineers stationed at the New Dawn industrial plant on Talos. Bloodhound was taken in by their uncle, Arthur, after a meltdown destroyed the facility and killed both their parents. Arthur taught them the old ways a belief system that focuses on the glory of nature and rejects modern technology. Yet, Bloodhound was constantly drawn to technological marvels and ultimately used both new and old methods to take down a Goliath that preyed on the people of their village, forever changing their lives' paths. Bloodhound's unparalleled tracking skills are a boon to any team they join, helping them root out hidden opponents and track enemy movements, calling on Earth's old Norse gods to guide them. Bloodhound believes that destiny is a path that has already been laid out, eventually carrying all to their death. But with that knowledge comes strength, because until that day comes, Bloodhound knows they can't be stopped. You know, looking at Bloodhound's trials also was a really amazing town takeover. I mean, Henry and I have repeatedly said it's potentially the best looking one. It's amazing. The Bloodhound's trials is quite a familiar with the local wildlife on their home planet. Uh, So Bloodhound set up a game within a game in order to control the population of Prowlers on World's Edge as a means to contain them from disrupting the Apex games. Uh, We got a cool couple of voice lines you can uncover as Bloodhound uh, to hear a bit more about the Uncle Arthur. But really, that was just some awesome lore that Bloodhound got for sure in those trials and an amazing, amazing character.
1: Yeah, I mean, this I think I may have said this on the podcast before, but if you don't play Bloodhound, You should try it. Definitely. No matter what. Defense, offense, you know, whatever it is, you should play this legend. Awesome lore. Really fun gameplay. Now let's dive into my main Gibraltar. (laughs) Uh, Real name is Myoka Gibraltar. Male, age 30, 292 pounds, 132 kilograms, height 6 foot 5, or 196 centimeters, with the homeworld of Solus. Now, Gibraltar is a gentle giant with a wild side, the son of two S-A-R-S, SARAS Search and Rescue Association of Soulless Volunteers. He has always been skilled at getting others out of dangerous situations that are common in the outlands. However, he only began to understand the value of protecting others when he and his boyfriend Nicholas stole his father's motorcycle, took it on a joyride, and got trapped by a deadly mudslide his parents saved them, and his father lost an arm in the process. Gibraltar has never forgotten that sacrifice and has devoted his life to helping those in need. Now, in the Apex Games, nothing changed, Uh, but it did change what it meant. Now, many of Gibraltar's friends and colleagues have competed in the games for extra money, fame, and glory over the years, and some never came home. Gibraltar joined to keep them safe, and for the first time, his skills as a rescuer and his rebellious nature worked together. He has now become an icon in the Apex games, putting himself in the line of fire to protect his squad and send his opponents
0: running for cover. Awesome character, no doubt about it. Really amazing. Now let's dive a bit into Lifeline. AJ Che, female, age 24, from the homeworld of Samathe. AJ Che, aka Lifeline, isn't someone you would expect to find in the Apex games. The child of wealthy war profiteers, she left home when she learned of the damage her family had caused and enlisted in the Frontier Corps, a humanitarian organization that aids Frontier communities in need. She's since devoted her life to helping others and joined the Apex Games to fund the Frontier Corps with her winnings. Since no one in the games is innocent, they all know what they signed up for, and every one of her victories means help for those in need. Lifeline has no problem engaging in the popular blood sport or so she tells herself. She may seem sarcastic and callous, but deep down she wants to help people and make the world a better place. If that means taking a few people down in the process, so be it. Some other cool stuff is that Lifeline is friends with Octane and was the one who procured his bionic legs, albeit unwillingly. Both came from the same planet, Samathe. Lifeline's bandana also features the logo of Kodai Industries, a company that operates mining facilities in Titanfall 1 and 2. Kodai has also produced Titans and even the chain gun weapon wielded by the Vanguard class Titan.
1: Super cool stuff coming from Lifeline. We have a lot of lore. Uh, we can't wait to go to uh, her home world, uh, potentially get a mm-hmm. town takeover. Um, right now, uh, Lifeline's so fun to play. Uh, there's a lot of talk about underpowered, overpowered, uh, even after the change, uh, but just overall, super fun. Love the lore behind it. And now kind of the flip side to the Samafe coin is Octane, a real name, Octavio Silva, male, 24 years old, from Samafe. And the story goes, one day Octavio Silva was bored. In fact, he was bored most days. Heir to the preoccupied CEOs of Silva Pharmaceuticals and wanting for nothing in his life, he entertained himself by performing death-defying stunts and posting hollow vids of them for his fans to gawk over. So, this day, he decided to set the course record for a nearby gauntlet by launching himself across the finish line using a grenade. He later recounted that day as the single greatest day in his life. Now, quick interjection here. This is interesting. The gauntlet is kind of the the testing firing range sort of mm-hmm. element in Titanfall. And the community in Titanfall uh, was always trying to set speed records for this. And the speed le- uh, record was actually set uh, by using grenades to launch yourself because you didn't take damage. Mm-hmm. So this story behind Octane uh, is actually directly pulled by the community and what happened and what people did to actually set that speed record. Super cool kind of engagement and interaction with uh, the fans of Titanfall. But back to Octane, after this uh, stunt, he lay in triage for hours. Uh, The doctors informed him that the damage done to his legs meant that his daredevil days were over, Uh, but that didn't sit well with Octavio, who turned to an old friend for help, A.J. Shea. Uh, He then guilted her into forging an order to replace his legs with bionic ones, suddenly able to repair his limbs at a moment's notice. Uh, Octavio decided petty online stunts weren't enough for the ultimate adrenaline rush. Uh, The Apex Games was calling. Now he's going to become an Apex champion doing the most incredible, death-defying moves anyone's ever seen. Maybe in the arena, he won't be so bored. Super fun legend. Super fun to play. Awesome lore behind it. I hope we get even more. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... Octane also had the first Town Takeover in Apex, and so it was kind of Octane's gauntlet and was a race course filled with launch pads and a ring of fire in the middle, which there was a piece of epic or legendary gear inside. Super cool. Now that, you know, we have the buff uh, to the jump pads and now all of those are double jumps. So fun. It's even more fun. And Shay and I are always laughing because uh, when playing on Kings Canyon, people are still so set. Um, at that uh, school town location.
0: Yeah.
1: And Octane's Gauntlet and Salvage is just such a hot drop right now. Um,
0: and the loot is nothing compared to yeah. Rig and Capacitor at this Y'all point. No are
1: missing out. Come up to hang out with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, capacitor and Rig, uh, there's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, but Octane's Gauntlet's definitely where the action's at.
0: No doubt. Awesome character. Let's dive into Pathfinder now. Real name MRVN Marvin. He's a male. Uh, We don't know how long Pathfinder has been alive. Uh, We do know that he weighs 937 pounds. (sighs) And he's 6'2". So you know, like, that weight distribution is really there. Uh, We don't know where Pathfinder's from. Uh, Pathfinder is the picture of optimism. Despite his circumstances, a Marvin mobile robotic versatile entity, uh, modified to specialize in location scouting and surveying, he booted up decades ago in an abandoned laboratory with no idea who created him or why. With only his Marvin designation to hint at his identity, Pathfinder set off in search of his creator. Pathfinder has learned much in his travels since then, like how to make a mean Eastern Leviathan stew, but hasn't come closer to finding his creator. Still, he's never given up hope and took odd jobs in order to gain information about his maker. It was during a chance meeting with bartender Elliot Witt in Sola City that he learned about the Apex Games. Wishing to gain a following and hopefully draw the attention of his maker, he joined the popular blood sport. In the meantime, he remains enthusiastic and helpful, always ready to make new friends and then shoot them. He's the most positive character. Like it's the best. It's so fun to play with Pathfinder. I mean, this game's hard. There's no doubt
1: about mm-hmm. it. This game's really hard. But when you have the Pathfinder voice line, either yourself or on the team, keeps everything light, keeps you positive. Definitely as a. Uh, Quite a savage in the games and the trailers and such. But next up, we have Bangalore. Real name, Anita Williams. Female, age 38, 180 pounds, 6 feet tall, and homeworld of Um, Born into a military family. Gridiron. Gridiron. Homeworld of Gridiron. Bangalore was born into a military family where she, her parents, and her four older brothers all served with the IMC. Bangalore has been an exceptional soldier her whole life. Dedicated to the IMC cause, she was top of her class at the IMC Military Academy and the only cadet who could take apart a peacekeeper, equip it with a precision choke hop-up, and put it back together in under 20 seconds, blindfolded. Woo! Amazing. In the months following the Battle of Gridiron, the IMS Hestia, uh, with Anita and her brother Jackson on board, was attacked by unknown assailants. A bomb on the outer hull blew out a chunk of her ship, but not before Jackson shielded her, sacrificing his own life to save hers. Anita watched helplessly as Jackson was sucked out into the vacuum of space. After crashing on the Syndicate planet... Anita took, looked both for work and the brother she refused to believe had died. So they began the decade-long trip back home. Now she fights to raise money in the Apex Games and hopes of finding a pilot willing to take the epic trip back home to reunite with what remains of her family.
0: A very expensive trip.
1: Yeah, the the Bangalore storyline is uh, something that is not fully mainstream yet in mm-hmm. Apex, um, but it's quite dramatic uh you know she's mocked a lot for her knowledge of uh knowing all the weapons and attachments mm-hmm. but that military background is pretty cool Bangalore is a super fun character to play uh and word has it uh from some of the designers at respawn that she's gonna play a big part uh in the next season and my guess is she's uh, at the top of the list for maybe the next heirloom that'd be uh, awesome
0: total speculation now we're gonna dive into wraith real name renee blazy A female, age 32, 5'4, homeworld of Typhoon. Uh, Subject 61137, codenamed Wraith, is a whirlwind fighter able to execute swift and deadly attacks and manipulate space time by opening rifts in the fabric of reality. Years ago, she woke up in an IMC detention facility for the mentally ill with no memory of her life before. She also began hearing a distant voice whispering in her mind that would keep her awake for days on end. Nearly driving her insane. She was in the facility one day when a portal opened before she was to be sedated. A person wearing a purple helmet came out, scaring the facility staff away. The person berated her for not fighting back and revealed herself to be Wraith. She was w- her from another dimension on a quest for revenge on the people who experimented on her. With this Void Walker's help, she learned to trust the voices and was given the device needed for her to safely manipulate the Void. Using a portal to the Voidwalker's dimension enabled her to escape her facility, arriving in King's Canyon, still under construction for the Apex Games. Determined to uncover her true identity, Wraith began a quest to find out more about the experiments and herself. Many of the old research facilities, however, are buried underneath the heavily guarded arenas used for Apex Games. She now returns to where she arrived in this world and joined the competition, and with every match she gets closer to the truth. We also get uh, Sing Labs, the town takeover for Wraith. Uh, and Sing Labs is an underground facility, a uh, laboratory previously used for the project Wraith uh, during the IMC occupation of Solus. Most of the facility is entirely underground and contains a large dimensional rift, uh, one end of which is in the deepest room, while the other end is in the sky above the labs. Exiting the portal will make the players skydive as though they were on a jump tower, and there's a tunnel connecting Sing Labs' interior to the Ares Capacitor, uh that was added in season five, along with an expansion to the exterior camp. It is a really awesome town takeover, one of the coolest, really awesome drop that Henry and I like. And you know, in one of the hard to access rooms, uh, there's a cool audio log from Wraith before the project began. Uh, senior Science pilot Renee Blaisley, first report. The grant to test our new phase shift tech has been approved by IMC's Ares Division. My colleague Dr. Singh, has no suspicions about them, but honestly, all I care about is whether or not it's true that our dimension is not the only one Now we just need some volunteers, or I'll have to do this thing myself. There are a lot of roads out there who knows where they lead Project wraith active
1: Wraith is such an awesome character, and it's really cool to see that you know that little bit of snippet shows that she's not just an innocent mm-hmm. you know victim of this that she's actually very intelligent. she's and a that, scientist, yeah, her story is one that's sad uh but you should root for her. She's gonna figure it out. She's incredibly bright, uh, very vicious, a very popular legend based on her kit in the game. So super cool. Uh, wraith stuff. But next up, a third-party favorite, Mirage. Real name, Elliot R. Witt. Male, age 30, 5 foot eleven, homeworld of Solus. Mirage is the kind of guy who likes to stand out. The youngest of four brothers, he perfected the art of fooling around to get attention. The one thing he took seriously was the hollow pilot technology, introduced to the illusion creating tech by his famed engineer mother, Evelyn Witt. He pored over the, me- me- the mechanisms and learned all he could about them. Even when his brothers went miss- missing during the Frontier War, Mirage and his mother continued to develop hollow devices, and the work brought them closer. While working as a bartender, on the Paradise Lounge in Soulless City to make some extra money, Mirage heard amazing stories from his patrons about the Apex Games and the wealth and glory that came with victory. As good as both of those sounded, he knew he couldn't risk leaving his mother childless until she gave him a set of customized hollow devices and told him to follow his dream. Mirage is now the life of the Apex Games, outwitting opponents and charming audiences across the Outlands. Mirage is awesome. And with his wings, was actually able to buy the Paradise Lounge, like Mm -hmm. uh, we uh, stated. Super cool, super fun. Pork chop extraordinaire.
0: Beautiful heirloom. Yep. And Uh, his story with his brothers is going to be really cool. And I hope we learn more about that. There's been a lot of rumors that one of his brothers could end up coming to the Apex Games or really be alive or something. It'd be very interesting to see. Yeah, there's also whispers that potentially Pathfinder had, you know,
1: interactions with his brothers, Mm -hmm. um, which is another very interesting stuff given their uh, relationship in the games. Now, the Town Takeover, Mirage Voyage, Shay and I say every Town Takeover is our favorite. It's pretty much true. It is. The new one, the map room, we haven't really spoken a bunch about in detail. We did it when it was released. That one's
0: awesome. It's so good.
1: But Mirage Voyage, we spent a lot of time dropping there. And the story behind it is it's Mirage's party boat, a lavish hovercraft similar to a supply ship, essentially, uh, which sprays snow down on the surrounding area. Several decoys can be found on the boat, enjoying the hot tub, dance floor, and grilling pork chops on the grill. Uh, On one of the higher decks, there's a panel that you can activate the fireworks and loud music starting the party. Um, And then nestled in the rocks below the ship, there's actually an audio log from a phone call between Mirage and his mother, and it reads, hey, well, if it isn't the most beautiful woman in the entire world, I mean, I gotta get my good looks from somewhere, heh, how you doing, mom, oh me, I'm perfect as usual, hey, get this, they asked me to take over the gangs for a bit during the holidays, it makes sense, <laughs> you know, I mean, give the fine people of the Outlands what they want, right, yeah, yeah, that's right, mom, yeah, I'm your son, Elliot, yeah, yeah, of course, don't worry, I'll win for you today. Always for my number one fan. Yeah, you go enjoy your pork chops. I know they're your favorite. I gotta go win. A, gotta win. Ch- uh, chicka, the ya, the abalada the champ. I'm gonna go be the best. All right, love ya. Mom, bye. <sighs> what is the REC? Oh no, how long has this been? How, has, how long has this been recording?
0: Amazing, oh my goodness! Mirage's
1: writing is hilarious. you know he's kind of this babbling idiot sometimes, mm-hmm. but he's super funny, uh kind of sassy. People either like him or don't like him uh, but you know he's he's a mother's son, you know oh, Mama's yeah.
0: boy for sure oh yeah, for sure. he's an awesome and that that little snippet is why he's one of my favorite characters. Uh, last but not least though, we have caustic real name, Alexander Maxwell Knox. Male, age 48, uh, from the homeworld of Gaia. Alexander Maxwell Knox was born to Arthur Rutherford Knox and Katrina Tasek Knox on February 25, 2685. He worked as a research scientist for Humbert Labs on his homeworld Gaia, the frontier leading manufacturer of pesticide gases, with a glut of pesticides needed to protect the growing frontier colonies' crops. Humbert Labs was constantly on the hunt for better and stronger formulas. Knox was one of their brightest scientists and worked day and night developing new gases. But to make sure they worked, he needed to test them on more than just one inert tissue. He needed something living. As he toiled in secret, Knox began to see the beauty in his creations and their ability to destroy anything they touched. But the head of Humbert Labs, Dr. Franklin Hubbard, soon discovered his gruesome experiments and their confrontation ended with the lab in flames and its chief dead. Today, Knox is missing and presumed deceased, his supposed body found and identified by his mother, charred beyond recognition. Ten years later, Cossack now finds new test subjects in the Apex games where he puts his gaseous creations to work and observes their effects with great interest. Man, do you remember before Revenant came in the games when... We were just like, Caustic is the worst human being.
1: Caustic's, you know, definitely not a good guy here. He's not like a lifeline, for sure.
0: <laughs> but I guess, you know, Rev Simulacrum, so Caustic can still be the worst human being, for sure. Yeah, sure. No doubt about it. That's going to wrap up uh, our lore, though. We've now gone through, you know, the universe itself, talking about Titanfall in last episode and diving into a lot of the newer characters and the maps, and that's all the other characters now. Uh, we'll obviously continue to talk about lore, and it seems like it's coming uh, faster than ever. It's one of Henry and I's favorite things about the game, and we were really happy that we got such positive feedback on the last episode uh, to be able to do this one for you guys because it really meant a lot uh, that you guys like this stuff. Because Henry and I nerd out about it all the freaking time.
1: Yeah, we we love Apex. We love the game. We love the lore. We're gonna keep doing this kind of stuff for you. You know, the gameplay stuff is awesome. Definitely a uh a major focus of Mm -hmm. our own interest and the podcast for sure. Uh, But this is kind of special stuff that we haven't really been able to dive into before. So thanks for listening and hope, hope you're enjoying it.
0: Yeah. Let's wrap it up now with some listener questions, you know, leave a five star review on Apple pods. You'll get your question answered. Uh, And first question is coming from exposed duck. I love listening to you guys and you are definitely the best apex podcast. There is question as a 4k 20 kill crypto main, I see a lot of people discuss his buffs. I know you guys have already talked about them, but I think the biggest one would be for his EMP to not affect him. What do you guys think, and do you think that he is overpowered?
1: Yeah, thanks so much for the question, Duck. Um, I think your gut feeling about this potentially being overpowered is correct. Uh, you know, like you said, we went over a bunch of ideas for kind of changes to crypto. Uh, but the truth right now is that the current meta is very much favoring crypto. Um, and his ability to really lay out very precise damage, stun, and destroy all defensive structures is really, really solid um and as a twenty kill crypto, you probably understand the power potential of crypto. Shay mm-hmm. plays a lot of crypto to great success
0: yeah, I'm a huge crypto fan i mean uh definitely needed to be used within a team. I don't solo crypto a lot um yeah, I think if he got that buff, it would be a little bit overpowered, and we would see something similar to what we saw with Watson in the previous seasons before the changes in that like late game it's just going to be crypto ult after crypto ult after crypto ult with every team feeling like they have to run one at that point. Um, I think Henry and I have talked a little bit about this at least off air uh, but definitely if anything he needs a real passive. doesn't have to be anything major um, but just something to add some more uniqueness to his kit. Uh, we've seen the stuff like not showing up on digital threats potentially or not being able to be scanned, which might be even too good of a buff in itself. Uh, yeah. But some good ideas about the passive, I think, are what could come next for him.
1: I like it. Next question is coming from Graham is bad. You guys are great. And I was just thinking, do you guys have a YouTube? And if you do, what is it?
0: Check us out, the third party podcast on YouTube. Uh, We're thinking about potentially posting some podcasts up there in audio form in case that's easier or more convenient for some of you guys. Um, But yeah, we stream once a week on there, and it is an awesome time. Definitely give us a sub. Uh, We would love to get to 1,000 subs. We know we got a couple thousand listeners on here, so please sub and make sure we can get up there for sure. Yeah. Next question coming from Player0937. I'm a listener and I'm about to become a Jumpmaster on Patreon. Thank you, player. I'm a Revenant main with 1,749 kills and 123 wins. I'm looking for some ranked teammates. Please spread my name, ps 4 Z Y underscore one, two, three. That'll be in the description below. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for uh, joining the Patreon in the near future. It's a great time on there as well.
1: Last question for the day is coming from Zombie 23 Uh, we had a question from them in the past. They just wanted to thank us for the advice and because of it, they've gotten a couple wins and now you use almost all the weapons in the games. And I've also unlocked three legends, Octane, Crypto, and Mirage. Big spender. I'd say it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Unlock them all. They're mm-hmm. all great. Um, and their question is, what is your favorite, uh, limited time mode? Uh, would you want it to come back, uh, and be modified, like the Armed and Dangerous and how they had it evolved, or just be the same. Uh, They also love the idea of a bow legend. Hashtag give us a bow
0: legend. Gotta load the bow legend thoughts. Uh, My favorite limited time mode, easily Winter Express. It was such a different play on Apex from what it normally is with the given loadouts, and that the loadouts switched legends, so you couldn't really just play the same legend if you like the certain set of guns. Um really awesome. I would love to see it back and I don't even think it would need to be altered that much personally.
1: Yeah, the the limited time modes are super fun. Very different, challenging. I love the content. You know, the community is asking for more and more of these. We were mm-hmm. kind of promised that they would be more regularly in the map rotation, but I really like the pacing that uh that respawn's able to do like i want to be able to play apex and not Mm -hmm. always have a distraction of this new thing that i have to do in order to get the challenges yeah not miss out so i like that we get you know one two a couple each season i love that it's awesome um i'm excited for the more ideas we have uh, a potential coming in really soon this Mm -hmm. whole campfire idea we talked about last week Mm -hmm. um i love it i love it all
0: yeah great answer couldn't have said it better Guys, thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on Apple Pods. Give us a follow on Spotify. Leave a five star review with your question. We'll make sure to answer it on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to the YouTube channel, Third Party Podcast, and stop by our weekly streams. Check out the Discord. It's a great place to really get connected with other fans and Apex players and just talk about the game and uh, find other people to play with. The link's going to be in the description below. Thank you so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. Peace. Hey, now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow.